Life's a Mitch. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode nine of Life's a Mitch. So as you know, I'm just putting this together with interesting stories of people in my life. And actually, last week, it was a random story touched on by Tomo. So that was interesting. Hearing about his escapades and drug dealing start life in Sydney. So this week, we have a treat. Got another international guest, uh, second one. And uh, interesting, this guy also works in the mining sector. So without further ado, please, please, Mr. Guest, could you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me today, Mitch. Um, so my name's Elliot. I'm 35, originally from England. Um, made the move to Australia in December 2012. Uh, originally landed in Mount Isa, northwest Queensland. Straight to mining? And I was, no, not straight into mining, actually. No, I, um, I came over as a backpacker and I started working in bars, as most backpackers do. Um, and then, yeah, being in Mount Isa, it was a sort of heavily uh, mining town and started meeting a lot of people in that industry. Um and then when they were telling me how much they were earning and how little they were working, I was like, I'll have some <laughs> of that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, um, so that's pretty much how that, how that started. And then I haven't looked back since. Fair enough. So like, did you come over just to backpack or did you have the visa lined up before you got here or what? And at all places, no, so, why Mount Isa? Like it's a desert. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, middle of buttfuck nowhere. So um, my best friend from university, he was already in Mount Isa on a sponsorship and we'd been communicating while he was there and I was back in England and I just thought, you know what, I'm getting to that age where if I don't do it now, I never will. So I packed up, left England and uh, headed out to uh, to sunny Mount Isa. And yeah, my, my plan was to stay there for about nine months and then I would have had three months left of my working holiday visa and I was going to travel the coast. I was going to make my way down to Adelaide and work all the way up the coast of Cairns and I had a big trip planned, man. I had a big trip planned from... Um, all the side from Japan all the way through to India and then everything in between and then make my way back home. But I ended up staying at, in Man Isa for six long years. Yeah, wow. That's Isn't that funny how it worked out? I, I made the plan. To, I went up to England for about nine months and I set myself up in, in Liverpool because, you, know, oh, yeah. yeah. you know, London was too expensive and I had, I, um, I just, yeah, I like the football team. So, you know, whatever. And um, I know someone's we... got to. <laughs> uh, you're a Newcastle fan, are you? I am, buddy. Yeah, for my sins, for my sins, I'm a Newcastle fan. Well, that's ironic because you pretty much live near Newcastle down here, so you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when we made the decision to move from Mount Isa, that was uh, you know part of the uh, part of the decision making process. It was like, oh, Newcastle, yeah, okay, that so that could work quite well, and uh, and it has for sure. All right, awesome. So, okay, so you fly over. So I, I went to England. I lasted about nine months i i didn't you know didn't find my niche so i come home because i was a fraidy cat pretty much so whatevs yeah i mean it's it is quite daunting um so like i said i started off with uh, my one friend that i had in my eyes and then being in the hospitality industry it was very easy to meet people very quickly so i guess it um it was easy for me to settle down and make friends and, and have a good time, really. I mean, yeah, Mount Isa is what it is. Um, you're not on the coast. You haven't got the big nightclubs and the cities and the beaches and stuff, but you've got a close-knit community. And and for a, for a while, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I met a lot of good people, some not-so-good people, but that's, uh, that's just the way it is. But um, long story short, I ended up getting offered a sponsorship at the company that I was working for at the time. Um and I was, I think I was 28 at the time of the, of the offer when they made it to me. And I thought, look, if I don't take this opportunity now, I'm always going to look back and be like, I wonder what if. So, you know, I had a chat with my, fa- my friends and family back home and they were all of the same opinion. It's like, look, just do it. Worst case scenario, you don't enjoy it and you just come home. But if you don't do it and then you come home, you'll always be sort of second guessing yourself like, oh, what could have been? And, and that's why I thought, you know what? Screw it. What's the worst that can happen? And uh, yeah. I got a sponsorship to stay. Uh, had a three-year obligation with that company, so I stayed with them for that time. And then when that finished, that's when I started looking at getting into the uh, into the mining sector. Really, um, hospitality was fun at the time, but you know I started getting on a little bit, and there's only so much bartending you can do as a sort of thirty-plus-year-old. So it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was time to move on. I mean, I was a duty manager and supervisor, so I sort of progressed up the ranks and and that and. Um, but still, being Man Isa, there's only so many places you can move, and it was like, yeah, okay, this is. Uh, I think this is enough for me. Let's uh, let's go and earn some more money and do some less work. Sweet. Oh, I forgot to mention to you, you and I know each other 
through playing football, age football. Um, I'm horrendous. You're good. And uh, yeah, a few years ago, we played all aged for Greta Brankston. Shout outs to the Wildcats. Um, yes, all right. that is how we met initially. I wouldn't go as far as saying that you're you're, you're dog shit and I'm and I'm awesome, but um, but thank you for that, and I appreciate it. Um, no yeah, problem. so no, we, yeah, we did meet there, and it was it was it was an okay season. You know, we did all right, but um, I've sort of moved on now to pastures new, and uh, looking forward to the season ahead. That's cool. So, um, yeah, the season starts pretty soon, yeah, or has it started already? Yeah, we've actually we've got a uh, we've got our first friendly um on Sunday this coming Sunday. We've got Madawi, just as a bit of a friendly, um, and then yeah, the season will be starting soon after. Yeah, nice one, man. So yeah, so okay, so and also just touching on that whole hospitality thing, you figured if I'm going to be working all like because everyone knows ridiculous hours, and if you can be working ridiculous hours at a good wage and do bugger all, yeah. Absolutely. Um, with hospitality as well, there's a lot less structure um, and generally you work weekends as well. So, um, you know, my, my life was pretty consumed by hospitality and, you know, relationships and friendships and sporting events and stuff it was all based on on whether I was working or not. Whereas now that I'm in the mines, I've got a bit more structure and, you know, I at least get some weekends off and I get good days off, like I'm on five days off in a row now. And yeah, it's good. It is very good. That's cool. Yeah, the life, the lifestyle, style roster. I mean, um, ours is a, literally ours is a um a different style. So we we still work every second weekend. Um, so you know, this weekend off. Thankfully, happy Friday to all those yep. people out there. So um, okay. <laughs> so you fast forward, you start in the mines, and then how long was yep. it there until you come down here? Did you? What was the story about coming down this way? All right. So just very quickly then, my first job was at a copper smelter in Manizer. I was there for six months. Um, I worked at an acid plant as well. I was there for about about 14 months, roughly. It was a sulfuric acid plant. And then my wife, who I actually met in Manizer, she started working in the mines long before I did. And then she ended up getting a good job down here um and so we we had a discussion and we were like yep it's perfect timing it's you know time to move she's from down this sort of a, this way anyway and we thought look it's time to go you know man eyes has served a purpose but we're uh we're on to bigger and better things and then we made the move down and i think that was february 2019 so yeah two years we've been here now pretty much um nice. we've been loving it ever since to be honest that's good so we this this like this shows loosely speaks about relationships and stuff so how how did you and your wife actually meet like was it in bar or how, how did you actually yeah so it was um it was at the company that i got sponsored by she was working there um as the events and promotions coordinator and i was a duty manager so you know both in a managerial position and so we'd have meetings sometimes as a big group sometimes just individually together and and yeah we just started to form a, a really close relationship and you know she's pretty easy on the eye so i was like oh, quite like the look of you quite like the look of you you're you're all right so started putting on the english charm and putting on the english accent and um she just fell head over heels mate what can i say oh and modest too stop drop and roll you're That's on fire champion <laughs> <laughs> got lots of tickets on me mate lots of tickets well, I um I noticed in the background you got a Ticketmaster thing going on right now, so it's all happening. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred percent. It's a horrible joke. Sorry about that. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, don't don't use that one again. <laughs> Edit. That's nah, all good, mate. Yeah, no. So we um so we ended up getting together there, and I think that was two thousand and fourteen that we uh, we ended up getting together, and man, it's been a roller coaster since then. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Some highs and lows, no doubt. You know, as all relationships would have. You know, so it must have been like. Oh, cool. So it must have been like at some point where you just like freaking the, sh- the fuck out going like I'm on the other side of the world. I'm trying something like I'm trying something new. I met someone like or were you just like, you know what? This feels right. Um, when it came to the relationship, no, I wasn't freaking out at all. man. Like, um, yeah, it was the only time in my life that I'd ever been with someone. And it was like, you know what? This feels real. This feels like a legitimate relationship. Whereas in the past, it's always just been a little bit of, I don't know, I guess just a bit of fun and always looking for something better and and that but um but no since since meeting jess it's um it's always felt it's always felt right and um i haven't ever looked back to be honest that's cool, uh, yeah. yeah no it was very good very uh i mean look it was a bit but it was different i never expected to, to meet someone that i was gonna fall in love with and get married to and have a baby with when i came over this side of the world but you know it's a uh life it's a funny old game yeah so uh you know tell us about your little one um how old and her name and yeah, so Maisie Rose Parker, she was born on the 9th of November uh, last year. Um, How exciting. And 
Oh, mate, honestly, I can't explain to you how perfect she is. Like, I'm not just, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm going to be biased, but everyone's just in awe of her and she's, she's beautiful. She's incredibly healthy. She's, she smiles all the time. Um, she's got a beautiful lock of hair, like heaps of hair, more than me probably now. Um, definitely more than me. <laughs> yeah, definitely more than you, buddy. But no, she's she's a beautiful, beautiful little girl. Um, you know, she's growing up heaps. We can we can see changes in her quite regularly, which is, it, it's amazing, but it's also scary. And it's also sad, you know, because she's not just that little bundle of sort of, I say joy, but she's just not that little bundle anymore. She's, she's, starting to get a bit of a personality about her now. And yeah. um, I mean, it's good to see, but you kind of, I'm, I'm missing what she was already. And it's, yeah, it's crazy how, uh, how it changes. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you were to sort of come across anyone or if anyone listened to this thinking about, obviously you can't at the moment because the world's in a dumpster fire situation, but if you could talk about like anyone willing to make the, the step to go overseas and try, try life anew somewhere else, what advice would you give to someone? All right. Well, it's funny that you touch on that because um, oh, a long time ago now, I was only, I was 19. So what's that? Jesus. That's 16 years ago. I, um, I moved to America and oh, okay. i was cool. living in new york yeah yeah so i don't know if you knew that about me didn't but um yeah so i moved to america and i was yeah bro so i was working in new york and um i was at a summer camp so you know summer works so it's not work as you know in sort of everyday life i think so i was at a summer camp there and i was there for i think nine weeks in total and then did a bit of traveling around afterwards but anyway long story short i came back to england and was playing for a footy team and a young lad was talking to me and asking me about my experience and based on what I told him he went to America and he actually ended up getting a college scholarship out there he met his now partner out there and he said that it absolutely changed his life and that he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for if it wasn't for me and I think he called it his lollipop moment moment there's a there's a video on YouTube if everyone listening wants to go and have a look for a video called lollipop moment i think it is and it's just about taking a chance and that's that's pretty much what i did i just took a chance i didn't know what to expect but i knew that i wanted more than what i was currently getting pretty much um worst case scenario it doesn't work out in your favor and you just go back home and you're back in the same position you would have been if you hadn't have tried but at least you're not looking back and thinking i wonder what if and that's that that was me when i made my decision it was like Worst case scenario, I go back home and I just go back to the same group of friends, possibly the same job to begin with. But I can always look back and be like, you know what? I tried. I gave it my all and it, it didn't work out. Luckily for me, it did work out. And I've, um, yeah, I've just sort of come on leaps and bounds as a person, you know, as a friend, as a, as a partner. Um, yeah, Australia has been very good to me, I have to say. That's an awesome story. I'm just, I'm sorry, I was just... Um... I'm going to include that YouTube video in the bio underneath so people can check it out. Yeah, too easy, man. It's a, it's a good video. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's good. Yeah, I didn't know about that. So what initially made you want to try the Stains? Was it just like, you know what, I'm, there's nothing on offer here, so why not try it? Well, um, at the time I was at college and, uh, you know, I was with a group of people and we sort of, I think we had a um, we had a, a, um, a seminar. Someone came in and started talking about Camp America and a couple of us started talking about it. It was like, you know, how good would it be if we all went and did it? It would be amazing, blah, 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 blah. And then just as time passed, everyone was like, oh, you know, I've got this, I've got that. I can't do it, I can't do it. And then I was on my, I was pretty much last one. I was like, do you know what, actually? Fuck it, I'm just going to go do it. Like, I didn't know anyone. And I thought, again, like, what the hell was the worst that could happen? I'm going to go to America. And yeah, I mean, the type of person that I am, I get on with people quite easily. Um, you know, I'm pretty talkative, sometimes too talkative. So I apologize <laughs> if I go off on a tangent. Um, so yeah, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go for it. And I went for it, man. And it was, it was, oh, it was probably aside from Australia, it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I've made some friends for life out there. I've had some fantastic experiences and some of the kids that I looked after, you know, they're married with kids now. And like, First of all, that makes me feel incredibly fucking old, but you know, it also, I feel good because I feel as though I was a part of their life. I was a part of, you know, helping them grow up and, you know, experience new, new cultures and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was brilliant. I actually did it. I did that on two separate occasions and um, yeah, both times at the same camp and it was based in New York state. We were about an hour outside of New York city as we we're in the Catskill mountains and it was 
absolutely incredible. You know, I was a young, slim, half decent looking Englishman, and um, yeah, I was in, I was in New York pretty much. Like, honestly, it is really. I think people forget how big the world is. Like, there is so much out there, there's so much to do, there are so many people to meet, there are so many experiences to have. And I don't know if people are scared or they're just not adventurous enough or whatever, but for whatever reason, they just don't. And when I say they, I mean like the majority of people, they just don't venture out of their comfort zone. And I get it. The comfort zone is called a comfort zone for a reason. You're comfortable and you're content and and you're happy, but you know, the world has got so much to offer. You could have such a bigger, better, more fulfilling life if you just give it a shot then that's that's all it's about it's just giving it a chance and and going for it and just realizing that the worst thing that's going to happen is that you just come back a couple of months later and you're in the same position you know worse off but you're better off because you've had that experience and you can learn from it i agree with that wholeheartedly i i'm this i'm of a similar opinion like you know i i had a breakup circa 15 so i went to england why england because now i would always you know dreamt about like going to an epl match always dreamt about like my family here heritage is from ireland so i figured get the uk get the uk passport i could set myself up you know in republic of ireland and go drive down or whatever it might have been but you know i think we've spoken about this before is that if you take a leap of faith in terms of like going on a trip meeting some new cultures or whatever or taking that chance what opportunity once in a lifetime thanks eminem but like (laughs) that comfort zone is fine but it's also minimizes your chances of you know obtaining what you want you know if you want to have an amazing fulfilled life and you can happily do it with your career then power to you but it was never going to happen for me sitting in a small community town in newcastle um so i'm you know i'm an advocate for that as well like i try the overseas thing and i think everyone should experience a different culture 100 you know, first Absolutely. world third world whatever it might be um but you know you meet different walks of life and your chances are you'll meet like-minded people and you know in turn yes it'll cost you money but what's the price of happiness or the experiences you can take you know because you can't take all your memories and all your knowledge to the grave so you may as well enjoy it while you can i know that's dire but it's pretty, yeah it's, it's the reality it's pretty, like, dark, pretty dark pretty dark but no you, you're right exactly um you can't take your money with you either. And so like, yeah, okay, it costs me money. But at the end of the day, why do we work? You know, we have to question, why do we work? What do we go to work for? Yes, we go to earn money. But what do we want to do with that money realistically? Do we want to just put it in a savings account? It's What's it doing there? You know, is it creating happiness? Is it giving you joy sitting there? Some people may be. They may enjoy having that money in the bank and having that sort of reassurance. But for me, I, I work so that I can enjoy life and I enjoy life by traveling and experiencing new cultures and new foods and new drinks and, and then experiences like theater and going to shows and comedy shows and live music and, and stuff like that, because look, this is going to be really dark now, but we don't know when our last day is going to be. So you're allowed to go dark. It's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, like we don't know when our last day is going to be, you know, the world is a, it's a hostile fucking place, man. It really is. And uh, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, you hear about horror stories all the time. And that's like people driving to and from work, um, the whole coronavirus pandemic that's going around at the moment, whether or not people believe that it's 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 real or it's it's, it's a fake or whatever. Um, but people get sick. And so I don't know when my last day is going to be. And I don't want to have a bank full of cash when and, and no memories when I'm on my deathbed. I'd rather be absolutely broke as a joke, but have all of these memories and be on my deathbed laughing about some stupid shit that I did with my daughter or my friends or my family. So yeah, for sure. That, that's the way that I, that's the way that I live my life. And like, you know, I, you know, I also work in the mining sector. So, you know, we're, we're sacrificing our bodies doing the shift work and all that sort of thing, you know, and you want to make sure things, you know, your wife and your daughter can be looked after you and you want to be able to show you can have schooners with the boys or anything like me personally. I like my money because I like to feed my, my KFC dinner box addiction personally. <laughs> a horrible joke. But if you have it with a Diet Coke, that's my idea of a balanced meal. So all good. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, like I like to, whenever this dumpster fire of a pandemic absolutely fucks off, I can't wait. I'm getting, because I'm a, if I can't get away every year, I get the jitters. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I've been, I've done a couple of domestic trips this year, which has been great. Um, interstate. That's lucky. You're lucky yeah. that you've been able to do that. Yeah. I got away last weekend and um, got up just road trip to see some friends up near Port Macquarie and stuff. So that was cool. Um, yeah, nice. But yeah, like, and, you know, I'm sure in your time, during your travels, I know I've got a fair few, but have you got any, like, cool, interesting stories you've, like, sort of picked up along the way? Oh, 
it's very cliche, but I've got so many, it's hard to just sort of pick one out. I probably should have been a little bit more organized, but um, uh, when I was in America, when I, when I, when I got, when I was in America, um, we, we went to Woodstock as part of the camp. Um, uh, all awesome. the yeah. So we were at Woodstock and, um, me and a friend, we, um, we kind of got lost from the, the rest of the crowd. And then we realized, shit, we can't, uh, we can't get home. We don't know how to, you know, we don't know how to get back. You know, we didn't have money on us at the time because it was all looked after by the, by the camp. And, um, we actually ended up getting a lift back by a state trooper. So we, um, <laughs> so we, we got a ride back from a state trooper. I feel really bad now because I've got so many stories to think of. Let me, uh, that's all right. Well, oh, we'll hash it out a bit. Something will come to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, because like, I've lived in Spain as well. I don't know if you knew that about me. You mentioned it before. So like, you know, which part of Spain? Like Ibiza, Barcelona, we're about? No, nah, definitely not Ibiza, bro. I, I probably would be dead right now. Um, <laughs> nah, so it was the southeast coast. And um, it was the southeast coast. It was near Alicante. It was a place called Villa Martan. It was a small sort of, it was almost like a retirement village for English people pretty much. So it was... <laughs> um, it was like living in England, but with lots of sun and sand. It was uh, it was okay, but then I started meeting a few few locals and started making friends with the locals, and and it was good. I was only there for about four months in total because I just didn't really see any future for me there. Um, but you know what? I was young. I was dumb. I was, you know, the rest. And um, you know, <laughs> full of full of spunk. <laughs> yeah, let's say that. I just got to be careful because the wife is here. So uh, oh, yeah. good. But no. Good. <laughs> she actually nah, knows but yeah no so that you know that was a good time and again there's heaps of stories but like there's nothing sort of over the top you know uh you know for traveling wise i i try to keep my head down to a degree i guess you know i'm a bit some somewhat of a straight 180 to, to a degree you know you don't want to get in trouble and get thrown in a, a foreign jail or anything like that um okay. yeah no i've had horror stories absolute horror stories but you know like i've yeah so america twice uh, Spain for a period of time, now Australia. So, you know, I've definitely got around. You can say that. You global whore, you. <laughs> That's me on the global bicycle. Oof. I'd have a ride, let me tell you. I um, <laughs> I, I spent um, a little bit of time in Glasgow as well. Why Glasgow? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a job lined up there and I worked in events for, for a time. And um, so I spent a bit of time in events on a road crew. So that's my yep. trade. I'm a road worker by trade and repairing roads in the northern part of England in four degrees and pissing down rain. I said, go and get yourselves well and truly fucked. It's not for me. Yeah. And How long did you last? Uh, doing that? Probably two and a half months. Um, that's longer than most, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty bad conditions. Well, um, well, I, I'd give it a go. And what kept me around were the guys and the crew. Shout outs to Ricky Mort. And they called this guy the hill because he was always trying to get over himself. Yeah, and, that's um, funny. <laughs> they call they called me convict. I you know you can see why. Yeah, and, I know uh, that feeling. <laughs> and um, it was great, but you know, we since they're from the northern part of of England, like we had the the we all love rugby league and um, go to games and. But you know, part of me was like, well, this didn't work out, so I moved on. Worked at a walkabout, ironically enough. So for those of you who don't know, walkabouts are a chain of Aussie bars through the UK. Fosters on tap <laughs> that's everywhere. So funny. It's ridiculous. And then yeah, went up to Glasgow. Fosters on tap. Oh, it's it's everywhere. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. And, um, when I came to Australia and they didn't have Fosters on tap, I was like, "What the fuck is this? Is this some sort of sick joke?" Where's your Fosters, <laughs> mate? Oh well, yeah, I can see why because just about every pub. Even we went to a little village in Wales called Lengolan or it's Glengoflin or whatever in the local language, which is ridiculous to speak. Yeah. Ridiculously hard. I mean, not ridiculous itself, but ridiculously complex. And this small little like town, it still had horse-drawn carriages up through the river. Like that's how far back in time it seemed at, pad- at the a paddle spinning river pub. And it had four that's... hand pumps and it still had a cold pump of Fosters there. Cold tap of Fosters. Brilliant. Yeah. Like, I actually quite like Fosters. I, it's grown on me. It grew on me a little bit. And then as in turn, it made me grow out a little bit too. Jeez, I got fat over there. It was awesome. Yeah. That's okay. I got fat over here. <laughs> and yeah, I got... I got up. I got an events job up in Glasgow and setting up for just events like um, they had set up for like a local car bout, a car race. We had set up for uh, you know like stage shows and c- comedians, and so it was pretty good to see a few live gigs there, which is pretty cool. But yeah, now what brought Glasgow's me back, a beautiful city. It is when it's not raining. And shout outs to Mitchell Street, number one street in all of Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, another terrible. It's like <laughs> swinging and miss, Mitch. You fat can't keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
but yeah, like I don't know. I I did love Glasgow, but what brought me home was you know being homesick and not having the and my best mate's daughter um, wasn't well. So I mean, at yeah, the okay. time, I was like, I I want to be there for him, um, but it wasn't the whole driver. That's... What the you know that was a factor, but what brought me home was, if I'm honest, was I, I got scared. Um, I missed yeah, everyone. Right. I, I missed that that comfort zone. Um, I was worried about That's running out of money. Easily stuff. done, man. Yeah, it's easily done. Like. I um I've been there for eight years now, and I don't get me wrong, man. I get incredibly homesick at times. You know, I've I've got a, a beautiful family back home. You know, we all keep in touch. Just like, I've got lots of cousins that I get on very very well with around the same age. I've got my brother. Um, I've got my mom, my dad, and I've got my grandma. Um, you know, and we're close. You know, we're a close, pretty close family. And then my my group of friends, man. I can't explain. You know how much they mean to me. Hopefully, they'll never hear me say this because, you know, they're massive pieces of shit and they'll just absolutely rip <laughs> me for it but no look i've got a great circle of friends back home and it was it was tough you know it wasn't easy to leave them because in the back of my head i was always going to come back but now that i've been here for so long you know and i've you know they've got they've got kids and they're getting married and you know i um, i haven't been able to be there to sort of see their kids grow up man and it's it's quite sad because you know these are my best friends of like 20 years almost and um, schoolyard bros like they never that never goes away yeah absolutely you know it's actually it's funny they're actually my group of friends are a little bit older than me just 2 years i think just 2 or 3 years older yep. but we met at a uh, we met at a pub where they all worked and then i became a I became a glass collector, so I was a shit kicker, and and it just went from there, really, man. Like they're like proper larrikins, like they're really, really well, like the English version of jackass. I swear these boys are just <laughs> proper it, fuckwits. Oh, it, did you ever see that show, Dirty Sanchez? Yeah, the Welsh boys. Yeah, with like Pancho yeah. and that. It just reminds me how yeah. loose, how loose that part of the world people can be. And oh, it, fuck the, yeah, the Dudesons, you know, obviously up in Scandinavia, but they're pretty funny pricks as well. I haven't seen the Dudesons actually. I haven't seen the Dudesons, but Dirty Sanchez was popular for a period of time in England. Oh. Um, yeah, but no, just just touching back very quickly on sort of wanting to like getting homesick and stuff like that. And so it's easy, it's very very easily done, man. Like, and there've been times where I've been tempted to move back home and and that. But um, you know, Australia's provided a good life for me, and I've got my I've got my wife here, and I've got my daughter and stuff, and I've got myself. I've got a group of friends here now as well. So yeah. you know, um, I think a little bit of you know just hard work and a bit. Of, grit and determination sort of see you through most things and you know i've, I've come out the the worst side and I'm, I'm all good now well that's good so like if your mates you know do hear this and they decide to give you shit just say hop on a plane and come here and say it hero <laughs> well um they did they came over for my wedding actually um i think a couple of them would want to try and give me a bit of a clip around the ear but i'd probably kick the fucking ass anyway um, <laughs> especially daniel thompson is a proper pussy <laughs> And that'll be yeah, that'll no, be no. going hashtag Tomo's a pussy. <laughs> do it, please do it. That's brilliant. No, but he um he's actually a child author, so just a bit of a shout out to him. Don, Daniel Thompson, author, uh, does uh, kids kids books and and lots of poems, and he's brilliant. He's absolutely spot on. He's like a sort of modern day Doctor Seuss type thing. Daniel, um, Daniel yeah. Thompson. Daniel Thompson, author. All right, I'll be is his Instagram. I'll put that in the link as well, so that way give him a shout out and check out his stuff. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, so with all the all the craziness that is COVID up in the northern hemisphere, how is everyone going? Like, have you spoken to anyone lately? How they're doing up there? Yeah. So obviously, thanks to the uh, the beautiful thing that is social media, I'm able to keep in touch keep in touch with a lot like all my best mates and we we keep in touch quite regularly. We've got a WhatsApp group and video chat with them occasionally and and just see their posts. But I mean, their spirits are pretty high considering everything that's going on. Um, you know, a couple of them have their own businesses and so they've they've seen a, a bit of a struggle there, but then others have got their own business and they've seen an increase, you know, because of the industry that they're in. Um, but no, like for the most part, man, my my friends and family are pretty good, in all honesty. Oh, they're that's really, um that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't think my my grandma actually contracted coronavirus. Oh really? Um, but my, my mom yeah, she did. My mom didn't tell me though because you know, obviously being over here, there's not really anything I can do about it. So um she uh she contracted coronavirus, but then she got better, and that's when my mom then told me. Um, but other than that, I've not heard of any one of my friends' family getting the virus. Um, 
and yeah, they've just tried to use this time when they've been furloughed, for example. They've tried to use that time to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just um, look intrinsically, really, and look at themselves and, and and growing as a person. And a lot of them are working out a lot more, which is good because there's not really much else they can fucking do at the moment. So, um, yeah, for the most part, man, my, my friends and family are actually doing really, really well, which I'm really happy about. I don't know how I would have gone if I was over there and this all happened, but yeah, you might good. have. You might have surprised yourself. When we first locked down, I, I was the opposite. I was just like, oh, I'll get some takeouts from the pub and I'll up on Netflix and all that stuff. But obviously it's different now. Yeah. So like, oh, that's really good to hear. I, I don't know of anyone uh, who's had, who's contracted the coronavirus, luckily. Um, yeah. So- well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You hear a lot of people and they say the same thing. And then that's when all of these conspiracy theorists are like, yeah, no, it's not a real thing. It's something that the government's just sprouting and then this whole vaccine that's coming about now it's like you're having a like people are having a vaccine now for a virus that's got like a 97 percent survival rate or something like that and then people are like oh what's in the vaccine and what's it gonna do man there's so many conspiracy theorists out there it's ridiculous yeah i, oh, I don't particularly want to get in that, that tangent i personally will be having the vaccine and i believe yeah. coronavirus is a thing because yeah like Essentially, I think humanity's had a reset. It's fucked the economy everywhere. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, absolutely. a lot of things like, like you know, your friends probably notice they can do business in a different way. I know a lot of people that now can work from home and that commute to work, the world have to go to an office, all that shit, it's gone now. The world will never be the same. The world, the world has now changed without doubt. And if that's for the better or for the worse, well, I, don't, I guess we don't really know yet. But yeah, like yeah. I said, people are realizing that they can work from home and that they can do certain things from the comfort of their lounge. Um, for me personally, when the coronavirus hit, um, you know, we were still able to work because we're classed as essential workers. And I yeah. guess that's because we just pumped so much fucking tax back into the economy that the government needed us to keep working because if the miners weren't working, there's no way they would have been able to give the stimulus packages out that they did. And all the, uh, all the fucking, um, what do you call them? Like we call them doll dosses back in England. People who signed up on the doll. Houses or, you know, bogans yeah. or, you know. That's just, it, man. Like all of those people, they yeah. wouldn't have been able to get their, their, their Siggy money. So, um, yeah, so we were able to continue working. And it was good as well because everything was closed. There's nowhere to go. You're still working. So you're getting all this extra cash. And we were able to get ourselves in a really good place financially, to be honest. It nice. was probably about... It was bad for about four weeks, I think, wasn't it? Like where it was like really, really bad, like proper lockdown. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. It's like go to work, go home. That's it. Um, and in that time, we were able to fucking save an absolute fortune, bro. Like, like no exaggeration. It was like thousands and thousands of dollars. So we got ourselves in a really good position financially. Um, so it, this might be hard for some people to to hear. But, you know, for me, the coronavirus was a bit of a blessing. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to back you on that and say it was for me too. In fact, I'm going to go far as to say I saved so much in a year. It allowed me to put 60 grand in the bank for a house deposit. So That's huge. Like That's so good, bro. Congrats. Not, thanks. And that's not a question. That's not an answer I'm used to hearing that well, that much. That's huge. It's not something I'm told much. So, you know, we'll go with that. But absolutely, it's not, you know, if someone does take that the wrong way, I do apologize. But this is simply our story. I mean, it's by no means derogatory or offensive to anyone else. And I shout out to all the people that are struggling out there. But, you know, we but we we still had to go to work. So, it, our, you know, we work in the mining industry. I'm an operator in an open cut and you work at one of the washeries. And um, yep. so, so it's kind of come like it's kind of full circle. We dig it, send it to you guys, you just wash it, put it on a train, send it down to the ports or whatever. Obviously, there's more complexities to it than that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, so you, you guys are at the start of the uh, start of the process, and we're at the end of it, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, we work hand in hand, and we communicate with one another occasionally. Um, and yeah, there is actually quite a lot to to a washery uh, process. And I mean, I don't know if you want me to go into the yeah, yeah, give, us a, the... give us a rundown. Yeah, so like we so say if you know we we excavate the coal and we put it in up on the coal feed to the washery you know so what happens then like tell it can you talk through the process you'll you'll chuck it into the dump hoppers and then there's the primary sizes so these primary sizes these big rollers with teeth on and it will break down the um the rocks the coal it will just break everything down and go on a conveyor belt and then it goes on a series of conveyor belts it goes through another two lots of um, sizes so secondary sizes tertiary sizes and then it gets to a size where we can handle it in the plant and then it eventually gets into the plant 
And basically, without going into too much detail, um, we basically separate the reject from the coal. But you've got the big cobble, which is like the size of your fist, all the way down to the fine product, which is like sand and even smaller than sand sort of in the flotation process that we do. And so that's, it's, it's basically separating the reject from the coal. And then we put that product onto a pad where we have dozers that move the coal around if we've got too much coal and we make it space or we load it onto a train pretty much. Um, cool. Yeah. So yeah, didn't want to bore everyone because it, it, it can be a bit boring to some, but you know, it's, um, it's still pretty new to me. So I'm still learning and I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. Nice. I, um, I say so with the, with the production side of things. So essentially getting to the coal is done in sort of three main stages. You got, you're drilling and blasting. So first off they'll do a, ge a geology scan, figure out how thick the coal seams are, but they've got an idea as to up in HQ. So what they'll yep. do is they'll drill it. They'll get to the level, the level they want. And then they'll fill those drill holes with, with explosives, blow it up. And then, They'll dig out the overburden and then they'll uh, unveil the coal seam and then they'll excavate out the coal seam. So different coal seams are of different sort of ash and quality content. So that's a lot like comparing it to cocaine quality. <laughs> the higher the the higher the like the quality of it, the higher you can sell it per ton. So different yeah. coals burn at different rates, you know, in terms of combustion and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, we do that, excavate it, send it over to a, a prep plant. You're at a different one than me. Um, but, you know, we... Um, yeah, essentially, that's the start process. I don't know about underground mining, but this is a sort of yeah, open cut no. 101. Yeah, no, no idea about underground mining. And yeah, I probably wouldn't touch it with a barge pole if I could anyway. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, the different uh, different coal types are used for different things. It can be used for steel making or it can be used for energy and, and that. But, um, but yeah, no, you're right. The better quality of the coal, the more we sell it for. You cut the line of coal to get you started each shift or nah, that's a bad joke. Oh, wow. Yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. Are you, are you are you getting ready to be a dad? Because these dad jokes are on fire, mate. Well, I say I've got an uncle bod. It's dad bod adjacent, but just as comfy. I've got about a thousand nephews and nieces, so maybe one day. That's amazing. That's brilliant. If that's anyone can put up with a five foot eight toe ball, human toe ball, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. I got a giggle. That counts. <laughs> that's brilliant. No, good on you, mate. Good on you. Uh, so, like. Hey, you um, so you go, what were you saying? I was just going to say, man, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, then you can't laugh at others. So. Oh, I, I look in the mirror and go, champion, you were, you were going to, you were got, you got this today. <laughs> That's now, good. Funny, Keep it up. It's funny, like, you know, doing this, um, my confidence has skyrocketed. It's funny, like, you, you, you do something that you truly enjoy. And, like, I've the only other time I feel this sort of, I guess you could use the word euphoric, is when you're away, like, when I was living in England, in the prime of it. And then my friend, my one of my housemates said, oh, I'm going to Barcelona this weekend to see my parents. Do you want to come? Okay. And like, just that feeling of being free, like you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's like, no, it's good. So, that, you know, living your best life. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing right now. You, you know, you're happily married. You got your little one, you know, got a great game coming up against, you say, Madawi? Yeah, got Madawi coming up oh. as, a, as a friendly because, Look at yeah. Madawi. We're in, the, we're in the league. We're in the league above now. We're in. Uh, we're playing zone league two. So look, I'm not. Uh, I'm no Cristiano Ronaldo, but at the ripe old age of 35, I still give it a ride hard crack. Nice. I my my last um, I last played zone league four years ago. I think. Yep. When I was prim and trim and proper and full of hair, and now I'm just an absolute blob. It's great. It's weird. I don't think I could ever imagine you trim with hair. Like it's weird. Yeah. Oof, I am. Um, yeah. You know. You, Sorry, bro. You get to some points of the day, you just go, "Ouch!" And certainly that was one of them. <laughs> I do. I do apologize. No, that's that's right. Still, you get, you get still, yourself. Still, <laughs> still pretty funny. That's no, okay. I, I don't need to do that. I'm doing powerlifting, so I'm strong. So that's what I'm going with for everything else. Yeah. No, I've, I've noticed actually, mate. Yeah, I've been oh, seeing you no, posts and videos, back, mate. Don't crawl your way back now, champion. But oh, he noticed. Thank you. No, I was just about to say. I remember when I started first lifting when I was twelve, doing those weights. <laughs> and let me guess, you were doing cock push-ups too. Look. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> you see, this, I've missed this English banter. So with my friends that I made over there, you tell a story and they'd be like, "I've got a story for you. I'm going to top your." And it's a terrible accent. I apologize. But like, where even was that from? That was from the Mitch province. Um, so wow, but what I just remind me never to fucking remind me never to visit that shit all. Yeah, righto. And uh, and and we're back. <laughs> so, but yeah, I like the overall banter between Aussies and English people. It's um and Kiwi Kiwi. There's a lot of Kiwis in London too. I loved it. And um, yeah, I just 
the camaraderie and then you know then you meet some Irish people there's camaraderie there and then I went and watched a game of Gaelic football it was a yeah right it was a um so when we were in Dublin um we went there for a week just sort of a a craft beer trip with some of the guys I work with. There was a Gaelic football match, uh, probably about an hour and a half northwest in a little town. I can't remember the name of. And there was a, it was a like a round robin day, and there were people competing from like Australia, Ireland. I think there was a few Scottish and Welsh teams as well, and it was really cool. Yeah, right. And I met some, and one of the guys I met, I used to go to school with. And um, holy shit! And it's like, Small oh, world. I just hear, "Oi, Mitch!" I'm like, "I got over here to get away from that garbage." Hey, Absolutely. Hey, you going, mate? Oh. Most like thickest ochre accent you could tell out in the crowd. Yeah, it oh, it's was, so funny, is it? Yeah, it's me, mate Toby. Shout outs if you're listening, you fat bastard. But um, <laughs> no, it was good, eh? Like it was um, little sense of home in it. But have you met many other people from from home over here? Have you found that there's many around here in Hunter? Um, do you know what? Actually, not not around Newcastle. It was funny in Mount Isa. It was um, yeah, it was there's there a lot of English people actually. Um, again a lot of backpackers and um, because a lot of people have to do their second year uh, rural work to get their visa yeah still a thing as far as i'm aware i was lucky i never had to do it because i was basically that good at my job i didn't need to um, oh, this guy right now i just like just getting an email from uh, from ticket tech and they're like can you do an exhibition for us because they're just streaming out of you champion <laughs> absolutely yeah mate and there's plenty more where that came from as well 100 percent, without doubt you sound like but me. no, like yeah. So I, I was, I was, I was lucky. Now, look, I was, I was very lucky because I, I met a lot of people who had some serious, there's some serious issues with their visa and a lot of complications, and they spent a lot of money and it was a lot of stress. Um, and I, you know, I, I did get very, very lucky. So I'll always have that appreciation for, for, for that and the company that initially sponsored me. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a good time. I look back fondly, but no, English people, man, Isaac, lots of them there. Not so many here. I've met maybe, oh, hell, I've only met one, I think, actually, since I've moved down this way. I've only met one other English guy. Um, yeah, shit, not many at all. I don't know why it's surprising because it's a beautiful part of the country. There's a few, um, there's a few. So I think talking about like hospitality, I used to work at a resort out sort of central west New South Wales. And little micro communities like that, they're in pockets. So there was heaps there. I mean, I was just talking to a yeah. guy before who he's going to come on and do an episode later on. Shout out to Jack, if you're listening. It'd be good to catch up with you, champion. Where's, and, he, from? Uh, Where's he from? That I don't know. I forget. Oh, okay. Because we we pissed up. I think he's um he's got one parent from England and one. I think his mum's Australian. So he spent a lot of time growing up between the two countries. Very lucky, but, man. Very um, lucky, man. He... Um, yeah, we didn't ask. Which part of the UK did you say you're from? Uh, Birmingham. So I'm central. Oh, oh nice. Isn't very nice. I used to, when I used to get the bus from um, London up to Liverpool, we'd always stop at Birmingham for lunch. It was, a, I think it was a five-hour bus trip. It was seven, yeah, pounds, right, seven, seven pounds each way. On the uh, Megabus? That's it, the red Megabus. And it was absolutely <laughs> full of gronks, man, every time. Yeah. That's brilliant. Absolutely. No, but, it's very cheap bus rides in England, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's yeah, like but, $14 to get four out. Like, it was only like like 250 kilometers or something but still that's cheap yeah very cheap that's yeah, good good times had a few nights out in birmingham actually i uh, look birmingham uh yeah it's it's it's, it's different <laughs> the uh I, luckily i don't have the accent from there it's a very very strong accent if anyone's watched peaky blinders they'll uh they'll they'll know the accent that i'm talking about and that's that's where i'm from peaky blinders is filmed in my hometown well, there you go. Claim to fame. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, if you want to claim to fame, I have got one for you. All right. Um, I was a child. I was a child TV star. <laughs> I hope it was G-rated. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, it's all good, mate. It's all good. It's all good. Um. So I, I only I did a few episodes, but I was on TV. I think I did like four or five episodes of a of a TV show called Howard's Way. Howard's Way, and I will be searching for those clips if I can find them, mate. If you can find them, let me know because I haven't been able to. That'd be that'd be awesome. That's cool. Absolutely. I um, um Howard's way. I was my one of my claim to fames is I was on Mastermind a few weeks ago and it should be airing next week to get to you know you'd know what it is the game show Mastermind. Like yeah. what were you there? Were you there as a as Just a decoy or as a? I was a life size mascot. I was going for the role of Tobal. Um, so, yeah, I was just a contestant there. But my claim to fame back in 2009, I was an extra on Home and Away. Really? Yep. I um, was in the diner and they, they paired me with a pair of um, Zimbabwe backpackers and we just spoke about cricket all day. It was awesome. That's actually really funny. Have you got that episode that we can see somewhere? Oh, it's 
somewhere in the depths of mum's bloody boxes and whatever. If I can find it, I'll certainly. I'm on screen for about all up about 38 seconds, which for me that's a record. Um, hey, so that's absolutely. Well, look, <laughs> the next time I speak to your mum, I'll see if she can find them for me. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, bit of a bit of a foreign foreign material coming your way, mum. Shout outs to Robin. Um, lock the house. <laughs> lock the house. Um, Just move. She, <laughs> she um yeah, it's there somewhere, and it was cool because um the producer we met like the producers of Seven like. This is Bevan Lee and the casting uh, director was Michelle, someone, and let us sit in between takes, help yourselves to the food truck. So I think I oh. ate my body weight and chicken sandwiches and strawberry milk. It was awesome. And we were on set, <laughs> we were on set for about oh, six hours. Yeah, wow. And it was cool. We just sort six of, hours. yeah, it was just, yeah, because I used to, believe it or not, I actually did an, I've got an acting reel on YouTube and it's the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. I used to belong to a talent agency called, they no longer exist, so I won't mention them. But um, yeah, there's an acting reel we did out there, and it's embarrassing as shit. And it's just and you're gonna you're gonna link to that, aren't you? Oh, I kind of have to now, don't I? Yep, you sure do, buddy. And it's um, it's a young, vibrant Mitch who has a heart of gold and hair of the same color. And I was slim and vibrant, and now it's just a, turned into a fat fucking mess. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> you're too hard on yourself, buddy. You're too hard on yourself. I could be hard on you. <laughs> I wish I wish I wish you would. Um, I, you know, people are like you're hard on yourself. It's self-deprecation, but I don't take a hit by saying it because, like, I still love myself, and you know, probably too much at times. But someone, um, someone's got it. <laughs> but like, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I wouldn't be putting myself out there doing this if I wasn't. You know, you got to, you can't love yourself. No one can love me unless I love myself. So, and that sounds dirtier than I mean it, but that's the truth. You know what? And you know what? Absolute props to you, bud, as well, because it, doing something like this is it's daunting as well. You know, like you don't know what um, what people are going to say and what people are going to think. But as long as you don't give a shit about what they think or say and you just get cracking, then you, you've you've done a lot more than most people. Um, I actually um, went to America at the beginning of last year and I actually I got back just as the coronavirus was starting to get bad. Remember I picked, was, you up, uh, I picked you up from the train station and ran you home, remember? Yeah, I do remember that actually, good buddy. I'll always always appreciate you for that, mate. Absolutely. That was that was that was great. And um, that was spur of the moment, but you know, things happen. Yeah, pretty much. I just sort of reached out. I was like, hey, does anyone want to give me a fucking lift back? And you're like, yeah, bro. And I was like, fuck this guy. He's not bad actually. Um I yeah, no, so the reason I <laughs> the reason I went there was like a um, it was called Menfluential. They don't do it anymore, which is a shame. But it was um, it was a conference, and it was all about like Instagram influencers or YouTubers and content creators. And they said, "Look, the worst thing that you could do is just procrastinate and never do the thing that you've been thinking about for years. Just do it. Just try. Just start. Just start." Is what they kept saying. And I've actually finally I've started a separate Instagram page. Um, we'll give it a shout out. Be- what, what's the uh, what's the name? of the instagram page yeah so it's mr dapper and dark but it's mr underscore dapper underscore and underscore dark it's yeah it's a bit it's one of those instagram are a bit a bit shit in that respect um but yeah it's gonna be um look i'm by no means a professional and i'm by no means the most stylish or the most handsome but you know i've got my opinions on products and certain styles and stuff like that and i've got a collection of watches and fragrances and stuff like that and so it's just going to be me discussing discussing my personal collection to begin with and then i'll be moving on to other people's collections and i'll be reviewing and critiquing and uh, just all that sort of stuff and you know it's a little bit daunting but maybe yeah, you should, screw it. maybe you should start one of these then like you know see if you can get guests on or whatever and you know maybe this medium might be the way to go as well possibly yeah no podcasts uh podcasts are huge and um they're definitely a way forward um and yeah it's definitely an option um you know i'll start with the instagram page and then maybe i'll move over to youtube and then in uh, podcasts and next thing you know i'll have my own tv show who knows I did see you on TV the other night. Go on and fucking hit me with it. Uh, was it was it Borat? No, it was embarrassing bodies. I um I didn't realise that a man of your talents could have such a micro penis, but here we are. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, mate, it works. And if I, if I get my rocks off, that's what matters. <laughs> Said the married man, and I'm the single one. Just cr- I'm cringing at that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But it's all right as long as you you know you look after the other one who you 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 you're with. So that's fine. Then you get your rocks off. 100. <laughs> yeah. Hear that, ladies? I care about others. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, just hit him up, girls. Just hit him up. At fat underscore bastard. 
I'm not even that bad. Six, six nine. <laughs> Feeling fine. Can turn water into wine. I can turn my wages into vodka. It's about all I can do. So, um, okay. Oh, my God, mate. So I will get you to, <laughs> I'll get the correct spelling on uh, your Insta later. But right now, yeah. we've been chatting for a while. So, it's been interesting hearing about, you know, your escapades around the world and setting yourself up here, starting a family, you know, marrying the love of your life and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, mate, good on you. Power to you. I can see you. You, you're definitely doing life better than that beard's coming in. So well done. <laughs> Mate, I've got more hair on my chin than you have on your head. So shut up. Oh, you sure about that? I've got a bad fry tuck going on back here. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to, I was, yeah, fair enough. But, you know, come on. Okay, I'm fair, I'll change it. I've got more hair on my ass than you have on your head. That's probably, you know what? Is your, ass is, your ass is as firm as this. <laughs> Mate, no, there's, a, there's a lot of hair. There's a lot of hair down there. Yeah, I yeah, that's um, I feel your pain, bro. I'm the same. Good old mm-hmm. ass chin. Um, so okay, we get to this this part of the show where each week we, we find something in our lives that we that pisses us off. And we have a good old whinge. Would you like to have a bitchy with Mitchy about something this week? Do you know what, mate? I think I should. It'd be uh, be rude not to. And um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna speak about a topic that is current at the moment, and it is about the royal family in England. Um, well, that's fitting since you're English, so that works for me. Yes, yes, I am. I am English, and I've got a lot of people that are very opinionated about the uh, the, the recent happenings and the uh, the interview that happened not so long ago with Meghan Markle and Hat Prince Harry and Oprah. Yep, yep, it's um, all the craze right now. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's all people are talking about, and everyone's got their opinions. And you know, that's that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, my opinion, basically, is that. Um, if you're more offended by that interview than the interview that they had with Prince Andrew, then your morals are completely fucked up because that man is basically a known paedophile who went on vacation with Jeffrey Epstein, who was an underage sex trafficker. You know, this has basically all been proved and it's just been swept under the rug because the people involved are the absolute, at the top of their game, they're, they're the richest, most powerful people in the world, being that Prince Andrew was one of them. They're the types of people that we're talking about. And all people can talk about is this American actress who was suicidal and people are mocking her for it. And, you know, there are Twitters that are going around and people are saying that Meghan Markle isn't going to see your post on your Facebook or on your Twitter account about being suicidal and that she's talking rubbish and blah, blah, blah. But the people in your life that have maybe suffered in silence will see that and they will realise that you are the type of person that they will never reach out to. So I think people need to sort of stop and think before they post on social media about celebrities and interviews like that because it's very unlikely that they're going to see it but the people in your life will and they will change their opinion of you very very quickly um i don't know really enough about it to go into too much detail but from the little snippets that i heard was that basically harry and megan didn't feel safe and they felt exhausted and they just wanted to take a a bit of a back seat and why, why aren't they allowed to do that? They're human beings as well. Um, Harry served in the army for for years. You know, he served his country. And so what if you fell in love with uh, an, an American woman who is of a different skin colour? But, you know, I think there's a lot of older English people that look at that as being a traitor to their crown and all that bullshit. And, you know, why it's such an old medieval way of thinking and it fucking pisses me off man racism is just the absolute root of so much evil in this world it makes me sick well said absolutely well said you know and i'm you know this is this covers two things one i read an article on the whole thing so it was a an article done by a blogger i follow on on insta i remember one of the lines was like you know you got people out there that are already feeling inadequate and already aren't feeling confident enough to speak up and essentially it said that like yep. you're going to be ostracized or critiqued for speaking up on something that's, that's horrendous and pretty much saying that like, you know, society wants you to conform to the norm. Fuck that. Yeah. If you have a voice and you want to do something, do it, you know, and you got these quote unquote traditionalists who are saying that Megan and Harry's baby is going to be now quoting here too dark or yeah. whatever, worrying about the skin tone of one of the Royal babies that's on the way. Like, 
you know what? Who the fuck cares? If you want to have a white bigoted approach and, you know, and I mean, like, and I'm not disrespecting here, but you have that white bigoted approach talking about tradition and royalty and this and that. You want to be, you know, this whole, this blog spoke about, you know, being inbreded dumb fucks who have this inwards thinking approach to purity, but how can you keep doing it if there's no other gene pools? How can you just keep circling the same shit? Now, obviously it's an opinion piece and I'm not, I'm just quoting here paraphrasing but i just think that i personally think that one how dare they two fuck racism yeah three and if you have an opinion that you want to speak cool there's a way to do it don't be a fucking cable warrior if you want to say an opinion to someone pull them aside and go or ask them if you don't know the story then never assume because like that's exactly right quite often quite often enough you might think this is just an example in my life i was always in my early 20s always thought if someone was mad at me, I just assume that they didn't want to speak to me. But later in life, I'll just go up and say, hey, what's the issue? Can we sort it out? And nine yeah. times out of 10, they were unaware that they were giving you like the old evil eye or something like that. So, you know, do your research. That, do you know what? And that's, that's the same in relationships as well. You know, if, if people are mad at one another, instead of just both being mad all the time, just be fucking adults and just be like, hey, what's going on? You know, what's the, what's the problem? Is there something I've done? Is there something I can do? To, to make it better um but yeah just very quickly going back onto the whole um suicide mental mental health thing the, the big saying is that it ain't weak to speak um but the problem is that pe- people are so scared to speak out because they're worried about what people are going to say it's not the issue of of being suicidal it's just um what are people going to think of them um and so they're scared they're yeah. scared to, to reach out they don't know who to reach out to it's it's a shame and we, the last uh a few weeks um uh guest tomo last week spoke about his depression and how he he called he referred to it as the black dog which is you know thoughts of suicide and he was a he was a drug dealer he was a guy who reached out to me i never met him before and he opened up about his days and he's you know for a long time there he didn't have custody of his daughter and he's like what do i do where do i go and he spoke about he spoke about like a few places people can go so i'll once again i'll link a few more like services that are out there if you are if this is a trigger warning and you are concerned with you know if you're feeling a bit vulnerable then places like are you okay the AUK initiative beyond blue black dog institute uh, lifeline just to name a few off the top of my head so there are services there and even i'll be you'd be surprised how compassionate friends can be or your spouse if you're lucky if you're lucky enough to have someone in your family or another or your spouse who is empathetic, you know, chances are you'll be drawn to that person because you'll know what they're like as a, as a personality and just go, you go, yeah. you know what, can we, can we have a chat? I'm just, I'm, I'm stressing and getting it out, bottling it up is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I think as well with, with, with guys traditionally, um, you know, it's all this sort of big bravado, big macho, macho men. Um, and, you know, like we mentioned and we've touched on is, you know, there's always lots of banter, but deep down, with your true friends, if you sat them down and said, hey, look, I'm struggling, their whole demeanor would change. You know, they would become, they'd become so compassionate towards you and they would help you and the, the, the banter would stop and, yeah, it would it would make a big, big difference. So, you know, if you have got a, a circle of friends, don't don't be scared to, to reach out because that's what they're there for ultimately. Yeah. They, they um, choose to be in your life. They don't have to be like family. They want to be there. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So for anyone listening that is struggling, for God's sake, just speak to someone. Doesn't matter who, but just reach out. Or even, you know, if you want a, an unbiased person who you're not familiar with, message me on the show. Like I can at least put you put the next idea in your head as to where to go. I'm not I'm not saying I'm a health expert, but I've just I have some experience in the arena of anxiety and I've was you know, I've been depressed at times and you know, at least put the idea in your head as to where to go next. Also, um, speaking about depression and hard stories and friends being there, back in episode two, my best friend Brooksy come on the show and he tragically lost his daughter when she was nine months old. And wow, that's that's huge. The follow up story that I didn't tell on the day, it's still like I just got goosebumps. Even the little hairs in my head are standing up. Um <laughs> He wanted everyone at the funeral to wear bright clothing because he knew it was, oh, I still get, oh, this still absolutely brings a tear to my eye. So it was hard enough. So, and then obviously he went off and did his own thing um, yeah. for his family, like him and his family just wanted time to feel like get that. So the funeral was sometime later and I'll never forget it. You see your best friend, oh, I'm tearing up. You see your best friend walk in with a little white coffin himself, carrying it one person. And it was no longer than this table's a meter long. And that is fucked due to the fact that like he's, I mean, what it was like life dealt 
him and his family shit hand. That's what I mean by it's fucked. And yeah. um, I don't even know him, and I started to tear up a little bit then and get goosebumps. Uh, like that's, so, that's you know, heartbreaking. Go back and listen to his story in episode two for those of you out there. And he still found the time to ask me. He asked me that day, am I okay? I mean, wow. his whole world had just come to a reset. And that is the caliber of, of a friend that Brooks is. He still stopped. And his, and his wife uh, as well. Was, has, uh, they've always gone others. Are you okay? And now something good has come out of that and that they are, they're tight. Like their family's tightening and they've had a daughter since then. And um, that's fantastic. But yeah, like even the even the ones who have had that much happen to them, like I went up to him to to see how because I hadn't seen him in weeks. I just went, hey mate, is there anything I can do to help you out? And he put his because I was her godfather, not never got a chance to make it official. But he's put his hand on me. He's like, man, are you doing okay? And like that is the I guess you could say what humans are capable of, great things. So you can take an issue oh, like that. So never be too afraid to ask. You know, ask for help or ask your friends as well if you're seeing struggling ask them to help like see if they need help i mean um so yeah that's like, true that's very true reach out but it goes both ways that's it yeah i'll cover all the topics here today you know episode nine um, yeah wow so is there anything more that you want to talk about in terms of having a bitchy with mitchy i guess that's not really a bitchy that's more of a public service announcement but you know <laughs> um oh not really do you know what man i think life's too short to have a legitimate but to have a proper bitch i know that that's what sort of this is all about but no I'm, I'm about positive positive mindset and, and attitude now um but yeah there's uh there's a lot going on in the world at the moment there's the world's the world's changed dramatically um and i think we just all, all need to pull in the same direction and um you know we're all humans we all make mistakes um but there's actually a uh so on my fridge i've got a little business card and i got it from a company that i made a purchase from and it's dogoodlabs.com.au and it says as the day draws to an end you still have time for one more act of kindness be a kind human and one random act of kindness can change someone's life you can put a smile on their face when they may have had a really really down day and you just don't, don't know what that kind word could do for that person so i think it's very important to remember that we're all humans we all make mistakes um but at the end of the day, be a kind human. That's it. And in turn, I might can you can you after this, can you send me a picture of that and I'll put it on the in the bio and stuff. But yeah, in turn, one good act enables someone else to have a positive mindset. And again, you know what? How satisfying was it? Maybe I will go out and do a kind act or something. It'd be as simple as opening a door for someone or simple as like just a kind compliment, you know, to see your friend. Geez, you look good today, whatever. Absolutely. And um, you know, this isn't sort of trying to big myself up or anything like that, but I um I did it, I did it yesterday and it actually made me feel really, really good. There's a guy over at the Coles Huntley uh, shopping center and he play, he keeps that place immaculate. Like he's constantly keeping it tidy. Uh, but he's got his headphones on and he just gets about his business. And I just stopped him yesterday as I was walking in and I just said, Hey man, I just wanted to let you know that I think you do a really good job around here. The place is always really, really tidy. And I walked oh. off, I, I turned around and I saw him smiling and you know what? That was enough for me. And I thought, you know what? He's going to feel good about himself now. And you never know. He might go back home and pay someone else a compliment. And it's a fucking domino effect, man. Like it really is. Power to you. And like, I can, I can account for that because it's always been spotless every time I go there. Shout outs to the guys at, uh, at, at the shopping center to keep it tidy. But yeah, like, you know, I, I try to do a good day to day and, you know, today I haven't specifically done one yet, but I, I live in a, in a thing called a villa. So, you know, if there's a few bins, uh, I, there's a guy on my left who is an older gentleman uh, recovering from bypass surgery. I'll do his bins and every time he, uh, he's got, you know, he's, I said, you want your, because we get strata does the front lawns and stuff, but uh, you know, I'll, mate, I've got yeah. my whippersnipper out. I'm going to do the back. And on the right-hand side is a lady who lost her husband. Now she's in her late seventies and she's, she's quite lonely and she's lucky. She's got a lot of sons and daughters that come by, but we've had cups of tea and just chatting and I've done her bins and stuff. And you know, just. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So I'm not big dating myself, but these are the things that you do. Like, Look, it might seem like nothing to us and it might be the smallest act and it might be 30 seconds of our time, but for the other person, it could change their life. Fair enough. Well, that was a powerful message. So thanks for opening up about that. And I will post a link and a picture of, of everything we've just gone over. So I think I'll have my quick bitchy of the week. Bit of a tone change here. Go for it. So in said, um, I just screamed at that, sorry. In said, 
little villa thing I've got. It's got a garage door, but it's an open, it's a semi-open carport. And I'm pissed off because these fucking pigeons think it's appropriate to make a nest right where the so it's an automatic garage door opener where it where it's like turns to put the chain back the other way. There's always a nest on there. I come home from work without fail, fucking nest there. The last three weeks in particular, I get my broom handle out and always scrape it off and two eggs fill out. I'm like, whoops, that's okay. They're not they're not native birds, so you know, doing us all a favor, of course. But like I went out and they that they say that like if you get the little, you know, the spikes you put on the edge of window sills and stuff, like kind of what they do to oh, keep yeah, the pigeons plastic spikes. So I've absolutely I've absolutely covered like now the top of the thing along the garage door along the window sills and shit. I come home and the bastards were set up around the back to a place where I can't get to them. <laughs> Fucking good on clever clever fuckers. Clever uh, fuckers. Actually, do you know what? What I will have a very quick bitch. Very, very quickly. Just the amount of fucking kangaroos in this godforsaken country. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like in England, it was rabbits and we could run the fuckers over. Here, no, they write your fucking car off. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's, it's ironic you say that. Yes, they're a native animal, but they're also, a lot of people don't know they're a pest, especially where we live. I mean, it's a legitimate, it, they're a legitimate pest. Like, seriously, well, that's fuck why them they, off. All they, they call them like you. I think it's the East Coast brand kangaroo, part of the macro pod community for those of you playing at home um they um yeah they're an absolute pest so they do they have to cold especially so where our works our individual works are um well, i think i don't know where your, yours is but for me we got to drive along a 100k zone with just fields and fields and fields of like forest and farming land and kangaroos yeah, right. are everywhere and you guarantee every time you go to work there's a fresh dead one it's, a, it's pretty rampant where i am as well it's uh yeah there's a lot of kangaroos where i work as well yeah so yeah fuckers so if you're hearing this, hey Skippy, fuck off. You heard it first. <laughs> yeah, that show was I think that show was as far back as the sixties or seventies. I'm not that old, mate. Fucking calm down. No, I was I was just, you know, making a general thought, but you know, whatever. Cool. Yeah, I'm just so, feel, yeah. I just feel bad about my age. No, all good, mate. That's all good. So um, you know, that's episode nine. So are there any closing thoughts Ooh. you got from the day? We covered it all. We covered heartbreak, we covered travel stories, we covered my bald head, all that stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, we did actually. We covered a lot of subjects, didn't we? Actually, yeah, no, it was good. Um, no, nah, I just, I guess, I want to say, you know, good on you, Mitch, for starting this podcast. And, um, you know, you've uh, you've done more than a lot of people would by doing that. And, um, I'm glad that I could have been a part of it, you know. So, thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate your time and effort. And, um, now if I end up do getting famous, I'll make sure that, um, I set you up with some sweet, sweet fashion deals or something. I don't know if I get some connections. That sounds good to me, my friend. That sounds good to me. And we'll do some shout-outs underneath in the bio. But, yeah, that's episode nine. Yeah, just um, if you want to get in contact with the show, Life's a Mitch podcast on Facebook or midi underscore 58 hotmail.co.uk. Yes, that's the one I had as I was over there because my main one is not going to be bombarded. So, awesome. <laughs> I should probably get make a new one. But until then, thanks for your time. And uh, that's episode nine. Cheers. Ciao.